0: Um, If this is your first time here, welcome. We are Renew Church here in Linwood. We are renewed by God for the renewal of our neighbors. And we want to be a mosaic, a multi-ethnic mosaic, uh, a family here in North Linwood and beyond. And, you know, that takes, uh, what what does it take to be diverse and have uh, a, a community of difference, you know, in a place where, in a time period, in a culture where we're kind of tribalizing in in among our groups, uh, groups that believe the same things, vote the same way, look the same way, have the same social economic backgrounds. What does it mean to be the church of Christ, a body that um, witnesses to God's Love for all his children, amen, in the world. And I think it's about one tablespoon, or teaspoon, actually, of intentionality. Um, Yeah, one teaspoon of intentionality, but ten cups of Holy Spirit, amen? Ten cups of Holy Spirit. And our part in that, in the Holy Spirit and in God, is being receptive, right? Being open. Um, because there's so many ways that even in the church or in our neighborhoods or schools and our businesses, we have preferences, and our preferences can create divisions and walls. And um, we just finished up a series called One Anothering, um, being the radical community of Christ. Um, And a lot of the one anothering basically... um, our commands for us to submit to one another, to consider others better than ourselves and to lay down, you know, our needs, our wants, our ambitions, our anger, our impatience, lay that down uh, on behalf of the other. And so as we come together at Renew, we know that we need to lay down um, some of our things in order to be together. Amen people in this life, and we know that we have to lay down our desire for comfort and for warm sanctuaries, <laughs> and put on our coats to be in this church. Oh, just kidding. Um, if you're cold, there's a reason. Um, the furnace is The furnace isn't working exactly, and we're actually the replacing our oil-based furnace um to gas so uh the 14th bob robinson has been working hard as a project manager to i mean he emails practically every day uh, the people uh the contractors uh what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing about that what can i get a day can i get a day and so we have a schedule so by hopefully no promises uh the 14th sunday november 14th we'll have heat so, and in the summer we'll have AC. Woo! <laughs> so you know you can come here when we're in a heat wave, heat apocalypse. You know every every so often in the summers in the northwest, you can come here and we'll have AC. So that's renewed. We'll be renewed together in climate. Um, but I'm we're starting a new series um, and. Advent is starting November 27th, I believe, which is in about a month, and Advent is kind of the season of Christmas, the season before Christmas, uh, before, you know, as we await the birth of Jesus Christ um, and prepare our hearts to receive him. Um, I wanted to do a little pre-funk, you know, a pre-party, a preview. Of Advent, of Jesus' birth. So, party, party, party. Um, so, I'm basically extending the Advent season um, with a short series called Wonder. Wonder. And um, it's an Advent primer. The um, sermon will be entitled, Who is Like Our God? And if you want to turn to your Bibles to our passage, I'm going to be reading. from the Common English Bible uh, version of the Bible. That's Exodus 15, 11 through 13. Who is like you among the gods, Lord? Who is like you, foremost in holiness, worthy of highest praise, doing awesome deeds? You raised your strong hand. Earth swallowed you them up. With their loyalty led the people you rescued and your power you guided them to your sanctuary let's pray God thank you for your word Um, be with all of us as we receive uh, what you have for us and may our hearts be fertile soil as you plant a seed in your name amen so I have a question what's the next slide that is a question. Oh, yeah. That's my next slide. And I'm, this is kind of getting rigid, so I want to be more free. Uh, <laughs> so these are my kids when they're younger, me and Isaiah, and Camu is not, oh, she's here. Um, but I put these pictures up because they're an example a good Vision of wonder to me, wonder. and I think when we talk about wonder and awe, the best case examples of wonder and awe in our lives are children, right? Children, because they 're so curious and they 're so alive and they 're so sensitive to the world around them, and they 're exploring and they 're still learning. What are, what, what's out there in the world? And they haven't been jaded, right? Jaded by life, by disappointment, by uh, you, can't do, you can't do this, by failure, by rules, by struggle. Um, they haven't been completely jaded yet and they haven't, you know, touched the fire to the point where they've been burned too much. And so there's this openness of vulnerability um, to life and to the world. And my question is uh, to you adults, not to you kids, you kids are good. At what point in our lives did we lose our childlike wonder and imagination? When did we lose that? You know, um, when did our what if, what if I did this? Or what if this happens? What if I put my finger in the electric socket? <laughs> when did the what ifs of our life become, no, I can't. I can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Don't do that. And I can't tell you, you know, if I just took one day in my life, a school day, let's say, and counted the amount of times I say stop or no to my children. No, stop, don't do that. No, stop, don't do that. To the point of like, man, I'm such a, I'm such a party pooper. I'm a Debbie Hunter. I'm always saying no. And it's for a good reason, right? There's a logical, there's good reasons for us to say no. We're protecting our children. We're keeping them safe where we don't want them to make mistakes. They need to get to school, so stop doing that. (laughs) Like, we're in a hurry. We got to get to our jobs. Uh, The clock is ticking, looking at our watches. But our no's, I'm I'm just fascinated by the amount of times that I say no. And maybe you can do that. You can take a counter and and just do that in in your daily life. When did the what ifs? of our lives, no, I can't, or no, you can't? When did curiosity give way to stability? And don't get me wrong, right? Structure is important. Rules are important. Stability is important. Safety is important. Otherwise, we'd just, you know, we'd, we'd be extinct. Human beings would be extinct, right? Um... But I think there's something to be said. I mean, you could just look at some of our younger generations, right? Some of us parents have been... ...controlled every movement of our children to the point, like, I hear stories and read articles about, you know, young people, millennials and Zs who, you know, came to their job interview with their parents, right? (laughs) You know, they need... They need to be, have their hand held or, you know, they need feedback. I was talking with, like, the young generation. They just need feedback about how they're doing, what they're doing. They need to be told, you know, what to do in their job and, like, have it all laid out. And us Gen Xers are just like, there's a field, go do it. You know, like, and there's a, there's a culture clash. But anyways, um, Wonder. I think what gets lost in the bathwater when we throw, throw those things out is wonder, like the openness and curiosity to the world. And you know, when Isaiah was a baby, I was in seminary for a large part of the time and his primary caretaker. And uh, I would be writing a paper for seminary, blah, 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 blah. And it was really nice when he was an infant and not walking or crawling yet, because I could just plop him on the couch, put a, whatever those are called, the baby bops, right? Is it baby bopper or bopper babies? The cushion around him, and he wouldn't go anywhere for like hours and hours. I could just sit him, you know? Every eight hours, I would feed him or whatever. <laughs> just sit him there. Like, don't move. Be still. <laughs> right? But uh, no, I was responsible, I was responsible. Um, but then he started to crawl and started to be curious, right, and move around. And I could no longer sit him in one place. So I would just, you know, find the dog leash and uh, tie him. <laughs> and <I'll> just, <laughs> I got to get my paper done. I got to get my studies done. Stay still. Um, and then he started to walk and then he started to run and we would go we couldn't keep him out of our sight. You know. If we were at a park, you know, you turn for one second, the next second he's, you know, running towards the water, towards the ocean, and like, you know, a hundred yards away already, very fast. Just he, wherever he was, he wanted to discover. He wanted to find out what's happening. I want there. I want there. I want to go there. Go there. Go there. Go there. Um, all the time. You know, here's Cammy. There's a, a bubble, and she wants to catch the bubble and hold the bubble. And the second picture is of them opening up Christmas presents and kind of the delight, right? The awe and delight. And I look at my life, and I wonder where has some of that childlike kind of openness and wonder gone for me? The the kind of wow, life is so full of possibility. Life is so full of gifts. Um, life can be so good, and I want us to think about that as we. Go through this series and then head into Advent because, at the root of wonder, is a childlike faith, right? A childlike openness to things, to possibilities. Um, And it's no wonder that when Jesus came, when God came um, to us, Jesus came as a baby, right? Very humble. It's not not anything like powerful or magnificent just humble baby in a trough in a humble family and that was the beginning of uh the foundations of the world turning over are you with me church again i have uh three points um that i wanted to bring from our passage One is, well, aside from that, our passage comes, if you read Exodus 14, if you're familiar with the story of Exodus, the people out of Egypt, the people have been slaves, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, have been slaves, enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians uh, for hundreds of years. And uh, they were multiplying, they were multiplying, and they were very fruitful in terms of... um, multiplication um, but they were forced into slavery and then Moses comes along and leads the people with the help of God out of Egypt and journeying in the desert towards the promised land and it was really hard to convince the people at every step along the way and even um, after you know this this kind of scene of um, crossing the Red Sea and this miraculous happening, miracle of salvation. Even after that, the people were still fearful. Those people still doubted the goodness of God and the provision of God. Um, but our passage follows immediately after they have come out of Egypt. Actually, because of the plagues, if you remember your Sunday school, or reading the Bible, Uh, God sent plagues upon Egypt, and finally Pharaoh relents and says, okay, leave, get out of our our country. We can't take it anymore. And so the people, um, under the leadership of Moses, uh, leave Exodus. And they come to camp um, at the Red Sea, And the scripture says in in chapter 14 that God changed Pharaoh's heart. God changed Pharaoh's mind. And he was like, why did we let these people go? This is a commodity. This is, they are an asset to us. And we just let them go. Why did we let them go? Let's go get them. So he gets his men, his armies, his legions, his chariots, and chases after the people. And if you can imagine, the people are camped. For them is this sea, this large body of water. And behind them, they see chariots and armed soldiers coming after them. And I wonder how some of them were feeling. I wonder how they were feeling. On the one hand, man, we were... We were once slaves. We were once in captivity. And now God has heard the cry of our hearts and justice is rolling down. And he set us free, right? Our chains are being broken. And we're set free. And we're coming out of Egypt. Yes! And at the same time, you see the chariots and the soldiers chasing you and you're like, right, we're in danger. Why did we come out here? At least we had our lives in Egypt. At least we had homes in Egypt. At least we had some semblance of security in Egypt. Maybe we were oppressed, maybe we weren't completely free to live as we wanted, but we were alive and now we've come out here into the desert only to be slaughtered, right? I wonder how they were feeling, what was going on. Um, And then we all know the miracle, the parting of the Red Sea, and the people go across the sea on dry land, right? It's a great Sunday school story. It's a great, you know, makes a great movie, set my people free, um, all of that, Disney um, but this miracle happens, and they're led into salvation. And so Moses sings this song, leads the people in this worship song, and the text shifts from you know narrative, biblical text to poetry, essentially, like a psalm, um, which is written for song, which is written for worship. And the scripture says, at the top of uh, 15, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Then. So basically, in response to this saving work of God and this miraculous thing, like supernatural, using nature, controlling and having authority over nature, splitting the seas... Um, Their response is then to break out in song. Uh, In this song, the Lord, I will sing to the Lord for an overflowing victory. Horse and rider, he threw into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my power. He has become my salvation. This is my God whom I will praise, the God of my ancestors whom I will acclaim. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. We had our first open table um, in our kind of, um, and Allison kind of created space for us with the prompt of, you know, stones of remembrance, and so we were to take stones and kind of attach those to times in our lives where God came through, or as testimonies uh, to remember what God has done in our lives, and... I wonder for us what those times have been. Like, what are the times where um, you have been saved by God, where God has answered prayers, God has lifted you out of? And it was clear, right? This is a miracle. God is at work. God loves me. God sees me. God hears me. God hears my cry. There's a lot of times in my life where, whatever, that gift, the, that anonymous gift of money just landed in the mailbox. And it was like the right amount <laughs> for what I needed. There are times where, you know, we have been at the bottom of the barrel, like at the end of our rope. And God has open, opened the door of opportunity um, after much prayer. Um, there are times like that where we come in touch with, hey, God is the God of salvation, right? We can resonate with some of this, uh, these words because we've been there. But then, right, we forget. <laughs> but then life happens. Um, and we're like, we go back to the things that we know, the things that we can control, the everyday Um, But I wanted to take a look at this slide uh, with the three points in the desert. Wonder. What is wonder? What does it look like? Um, Three points on wonder as the people are in the desert. And mind you, even as the people went through the Red Sea, it would take like 40 years right, of wandering, wandering, and wandering to get to the promised land. And it was in the desert, right? There was thirst, there was hunger, there was a lot of things. Um, But from our passage from um, Moses' song with the people as a whole, um, I wanted to glean some principles of wonder or some observations about wonder and awe. And that is, Wonder is a catalyst for praise and worship. Like, Wonder is what leads us to praise and worship. So as the people are reflecting, are coming out of the miracle of the Red Sea, um, they turn to song and praise. And it's this spontaneous praise. And what's interesting is they bring out instruments. Later on, you see Miriam's uh, song. She leads the women into a summary of <laughs> like Moses is the long-winded one. Bla, 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 they're singing, they're singing. And then Miriam gives this song, this two-line sta- two song that kind of summarizes the whole thing. And the women take their tambourines and their, their instruments. But what's interesting to note is that the people had instruments, right? So even when they were in captivity or, you know, in their homes while they're slaves to Egypt, they had instruments of praise, right? They had created, they had the creativity to make instruments and to sing songs, to sing gospel songs, right, to the Lord in the midst of their suffering, amen? Like... They were, they were, they had those instruments. And when this miracle happens, they're led to this spontaneous, you know, dancing and worshiping, just like David, right? When David danced in scripture, David danced and, you know, ripped off his outer clothing and uh, gave praise to God. Wonder leads us to praise and worship. Amen. And so, yeah, and then secondly, wonder activates covenant. So if you look at verse thirteen, with your great loyalty you led to your sanctuary, with your great loyalty, you led the people you rescued. With your power, you guided them to your sanctuary. God wants to be for, is for his people, right? God is a loyal God. God wants us to lean into him. To cry out and say, God, help us. We need you. And then all of a sudden, when we remember God, that covenant relationship is activated, right? God remembers. Well, God doesn't remember. God has always been there. God is loyal and faithful. Even when we slap him in the face, God is there ready to receive us back again. God is ready to forgive us. God is ready to lift us out. Even when we've turned to other idols, even when we've turned to other comforts, Even when we've trusted in other things that aren't alive in the scriptures, the language of other gods, right? The gods of Egypt or other gods. God is greater. Who is like you among the gods? We've turned to other gods when we're in trouble. We turn to other gods for security and yet when we finally turn to God and remember our covenant with him, he is loyal, and this is what the, song, the words of the song is saying, your great loyalty, with your great loyalty, you led the people you rescued, with your power you guided them to your sanctuary. Our wonder at the good, at the wonders of God, at the miracles of God and the power of salvation, when we receive that, It activates our memory. It activates that relationship with God. It's beyond knowledge. Right? Sometimes I think, you know, we say, it's by faith that we're saved, not by our works, right? And we say, oh, just have faith in God. Faith in God. What does faith in God mean? Right? You can say, Be in awe of God. Trust in God. And I think in our culture, sometimes we take faith and attach that to knowledge. And so a lot of, you know, our church or the things that we do, Bible studies, whatever, are less about trust and leaning into God and remembering our covenant relationship with God, right? And more about the attaining of knowledge, and that's part of it, but that's not all of it, because sometimes that doesn't involve our hearts, right? We're in a relationship with God, so faith in God should be looked like a relationship and not school. Um activates covenant, and that's what Moses and the people are singing. We remember your great loyalty to us. You have been faithful even when we haven't been faithful, you have been loyal to the covenant. Possibilities and transformation. Um, Albert Einstein, in an interview, and then later he wrote it in one of his books, on imagination, um, because he's talking to the interviewee about intuition, intuition, and how sometimes he uses intuition and imagination that that has led him to scientific discovery. Um, And that sometimes that's more important um, than knowledge. And he was referring to something like, uh, I think it was eclipses, like he made an observation about eclipses, and intuition said in his heart, like this has to be the way it is. This must be right. And later on through observation, he discovered that, yeah, his intuition was right. And so that led him, and people have described Albert Einstein as, you know, he always had this kind of childlike wonder and childlike imagination and kind of approached the world like, oh, look at the possibilities. The universe is vast. And that's what wonder does, right? It opens us up to there's something much more, there's something bigger than me. Right, the world is bigger than me. The universe is bigger than me. And wonder, like, I don't control the universe. I'm not the center of the universe, but God is the center of the universe. And I'm in awe of that because I don't completely understand it. There's a mystery to it. And for those of you young couples, right? Love has an element of mystery to it, right? right? That's what makes it so beautiful. If we knew every single little thing, and maybe older couples too, right? Right? Sometimes like, that spark goes away because they are like, I know you too much. Right? Like, what you eat, what, how you're going to respond, what's your reaction to this and that. Um, but like, sometimes that Maintaining that mystery, like, oh, there are parts of this person I don't know about, right? I can't predict because I'm not that person. In that mystery is wonder and spark. and. In the same way with God and the universe, there are things that we can't understand. There are things that we cannot know. There are solutions that we can't come up with. We cannot save ourselves ultimately. And when we come into touch with the vastness of the universe, in college, I wrote a poem. Uh, I write some poetry. But I was in the wheat fields with a girl <laughs> in Walla Walla. Um, and uh, we were walking just as friends and, uh, through the wheat fields. The lights of the penitentiary, state penitentiary, lighting up the sky. (laughs) The the beauty of walking on the Walla Walla, Washington. (laughs) Looking up at the sky, and she said, "It, it's so big, it presses down on me." Uh, She. You know, talking about the faith with her and about God, and maybe flirting to convert a little bit. (laughs) You've all heard "flirt to convert." Um, (laughs) I was young, okay. I was was young. Um, And I wrote, I turned that into a poem, right? I should have, I should have brought that up. Maybe I can search for it, but. Something like, the sky, it presses down on me. It presses down on me. That that, that that moment that she was looking at the sky and the stars, she realized that, you know, kind of the smallness of her and the largeness of the world around her, and that opened up a conversation about God. Uh, after that, between the two of us, wonder opens us to new possibilities and transformation. Yeah. Right? It opens us up. And the new possibility for the people of Israel, in, in our context, in the context of, this, of the scriptures, is let me take you out of enslavement, out of the land of Egypt that was holding you down, and let's go to the land of promise, right? And there was a very dramatic miracle where the people were saved in the midst of impending death and danger, real impending danger. The irony, or maybe the humor if you're reading it, is right after they sing praise and give praise, they're in the desert, right? The reality hits. And doesn't that happen? We experience, you know, miracles, and we experience the presence of God so vividly and live, and we're yes, on our retreat. I just got back from a retreat, and I gave my life to the Lord again. Woo! God is so alive. And then, desert. And they go to a pond, and the water source is bitter, and they named upon bitterness, right? They can't, they're about to starve to death. They're about to, you know, not have water. And what does Moses do? He throws a piece of wood into the water, and it takes away the bitterness, and they drink, and once again, but before that, the people gripe again. This is after the Red Sea. They go right back to, We're better off in Egypt. What? How many times has God, does God have to be loyal? And so we lose that wonder all the time with adulting, right? That's how we lose our childlike wonder of possibilities, right? Responsibility, adulting, paying the bills, making ends meet, building up our resumes, Right? Getting the task done. Uh, uh, uh. Daily life. And so we get used to things. And it weighs us down. But it's what we know. So sometimes we hold on to it longer than we should. What are those things in our lives? Right? Like, why are you doing it that way? Why are you doing it that way? Because I've always done it that way. The church right now in america is experiencing that right now right people are like the church is like pounding their we've always done it this way but then COVID hits it's like what are we doing we've never done this before where are the people they're out there somewhere it's interesting uh just a side note it's interesting We've always uh, aided in. And we kind of set that up from the very beginning. We never really passed the offering. And during COVID when, you know, the quarantining was happening and the stay at home, a lot of large churches budget-wise just blew up because, and that's why a lot of churches were pushing to meet like oh, we need to meet, we need to gather, we need to meet, because their income came from passing the plate Sunday with the masses coming together. And that was some of the core of kind of that input, that push to gather, to gather, to gather. Meanwhile, like, Renew, I'm not, I'm God I'm, I'm breaking now. Renew experience like financial boom. We're like, what. You know, not that we're, like, have a huge budget, but for us, for our size, it was awesome. Like, the money kept going, and more money came in. Money came from people we don't know who are watching online. It's like, money, 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 Right? <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, I'm like, can I buy a helicopter? Right? Can I get some better picture sneakers? Um, <laughs> but, okay, time is getting long, and I'm... Trying to be a stand-up comedian. Um, why did I tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> I lose my thought. Sorry. Uh, my brain. Possibility. Possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it all comes. From Jesus. We hold on to our forms, we hold on to our structures, we hold on to tradition, we hold on to things we've always done in the past because they work, they're good practices, but sometimes the world changes, sometimes the circumstances changes. Sometimes God takes things away so that we will remember that we need God and that the only way through the desert is in leaning into our wonder and awe and dependence on God. Don't forget the one who has been loyal. And when we sing praise and worship, we're reenacting the narrative of Scripture. Here, we're saying, Praise be to God. Praise God who's delivered us when we were in the desert. He delivered us because he is who is like our God. And even when we come into the church and we're like, I don't know that song. Or we sing that song all the time. I'm sick of it. Or you're not feeling it. Because the congregation, we're singing it all together. And the spirit is moving. We're lifted in. We're able to choose into the greatest love story in scripture. in matthew 19 jesus said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these this is what we're talking about right god is like kids they have wonder kids lean into me they trust us they trust you know I still love it when there's something dangerous or we're talking to strangers and Cammie's in a situation and she goes behind me and kind of grabs my leg like for safety or security. Like, oh, right? She still is dependent on me or she, she still seeks protection from me. It's like, oh. And that's our God as well and that's what Jesus is talking about. We need to have childlike dependence and awe and wonder in him uh, in order um, to be in the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me, church? Amen? Amen? So as we approach the season of Advent, we prepare our hearts for childlike faith. Let's reorient ourselves for wonder. Leaning into our awesome God, wrapping our arms around his legs, (laughs) protect me, anticipating the baby that will be born in Bethlehem. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that um, you remind us every day that you are present and that you are wanting more relationship more intimacy, more presence in our each of our lives. And I pray that you continue to open our hearts, peel away the layers uh, of competence, of control, of whatever, and continue to make us more vulnerable before you. And acts at Pentecost talks about how the people declared the wonders of our God, right? They came, they were in awe at what was happening. May we, um, in the days to come, sing your praises because we are in awe of your wonders and your mighty deeds. In your name, amen.